Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. Arizona and the nation are in the middle of an opioid crisis. What's being done? This week, we take a look. The leading cause of accidental death in Pima County is uh, opioid overdose and has been for several years now, but nobody seems to, to know that. That's Kevin Hall, an assistant police chief with the Tucson Police Department. Over the next few months, Arizona Public Media will bring you stories about the opioid crisis in southern Arizona. Those stories are part of an Arizona Addicted series and can be found on the radio, television, and the web. We begin our look at the opioid crisis with the Tucson Police Department program that sends people struggling with opioids to treatment instead of jail. TPD Assistant Chief Kevin Hall oversees the program and says people must first understand some terminology. It was very intentional for us to call it deflection as, a, as opposed to diversion. There are a lot of diversion programs out there. We chose to call ours deflection because we are actually deflecting people away from the criminal justice system and into treatment. When what that means is that we come across folks who there are potentially criminal charges, generally um, uh, very small amounts of narcotics, what we call pocket drugs, uh, personal use narcotics or paraphernalia. They traditionally would be arrested and booked into jail. Uh, what we found over decades is that really doesn't solve anything. It doesn't help them with the, the treatment of their disease. Uh, it, it, it's just a cycle where they get out of jail, they use again, they get arrested, they go back in jail over and over and over. Well. What we've decided, along with some other jurisdictions throughout the country, is that we would try a new tact, and that is deflection, where instead of taking them to jail, we give them the opportunity, if they're ready, and we train the officers to uh, make those assessments, and if these folks are ready um, and willing to engage in treatment, uh, then we defer, or we don't even defer, we just uh, ignore the charges, we write a case report, um, but they go to treatment rather than, than jail. And once we drop them off at treatment, it's about a 10-minute intake process, and then the officers are out. So it's far easier and quicker for the officers to take them to treatment than it is to jail, which can be up to an hour-long process. How do you determine that this person is eligible for deflection or because they're not eligible, they need to be in the criminal justice system? There's about 18,000 law enforcement agencies, about 1,100 at best count um, is, are involved in, in projects such as this. So roughly about 6% of law enforcement in the United States are doing deflection or diversion type programs. None of those that I could find have any type of training program. So we had to build ours in-house uh, with the help of clinicians from um, our service providers, both uh, Community Bridges and Kodak. And we built a four-hour training program that allows, that gives them the officers, the background they needed for the uh, neuroscience and the neurobiology of addiction. Um, we also talk a lot about ACEs or adverse childhood experiences and the historical trauma that comes and, and uh, um, adds to, to the uh, disease. Um, and, and we also go into what medically assist or what medication assisted treatment is and, and how that works for folks. Um, and then we talk about uh, engaging the folks um, and um, making a determination about whether they're ready or not. And what we find is generally is, is most folks will, will make that determination on their own. They will decide whether they need to go into treatment at that point in time or not. Most of them are very much aware that you have to do what we call induction. Basically, they have to withdraw before we can uh, apply the medication-assisted treatment. 
So that's generally the stumbling block. Most people don't want to get sick because that's essentially what you do is you get sick before you get better. Um, when they're willing to do that, that's when we know they're ready to engage in treatment. The diversion program that TPD is running, is it all medically treated or do you sometimes send people to other types of treatment? Medication-assisted treatment is specific to opioids. The other very large uh, problem we have in, in southern Arizona is methamphetamines. That problem has never really gone away. Uh, it kind of went under the ra radar for a while, but it's back. And what we have found is people generally are polydrug users. They use both opioids and meth. Uh, so we can treat the opioids through medication-assisted treatment with methamphetamines, although there are some clinical trials going on now with some other uh, types of drugs that may further on down the line help with methamphetamine. Right now it's strictly uh, different uh, like cogn cognitive behavioral therapies um, and some uh, uh, other uh, group therapies and life skills that are applied um, to, to help those folks, folks out with, with meth. Also, what we find is there's a lot of co-occurring disorders, me mental illnesses with, with um, a lot of these folks. So our service providers have a no wrong door um, policy. So if we drop them off and they decide that this really isn't an opioid problem as much as it is a mental illness problem, they'll make the appropriate notifications and transportation to our crisis response center who will then handle the, me the mental health problem. Same thing with the CRC, the crisis response center, what we call the CRC. If, if somebody we feel is in crisis for mental health is dropped off there and they make a determination that this is more of a substance misuse problem, they'll make the notifications and transportation over to Kodak or CBI. Um, so it's, it's sort of a, that triad of the CRC, Kodak, and CBI that work very well together. And it's a collaboration um, that I, I have found very rare throughout the country. When officers are dealing with the deflection program, do the officers have to approach the community member who they believe needs help, or can the community member walk up to them, or is it a combination of both? It is a combination of both. We, we call uh, our deflection program, we gave it three different um, um, sort of components. Uh, the first one, which we call self-referral, or it's known on the East Coast as the ANGEL program where individuals can walk into a police station, they can hand over whatever drugs or paraphernalia they have on them, and absent a felony arrest warrant, they will be given treatment. Um, that's mandatory. Uh, the officers will facilitate the transportation to, to the service provider. The second component is what we call self-referral, which is basically the same thing, only it happens outside of a police station. An individual can walk up to any officer who's either doing paperwork or on another call for service or doing whatever out in the community, and that individual can do the same thing, say, I need help, here's what I have on me, and once again, absent a felony arrest warrant or, or a DV warrant, they're going to get treatment. The officer will either facilitate the transportation or they'll transport them themselves to, to the appropriate facility. Um, then the third component is actual deflection, where there are criminal charges, the officer is involved with this individual, either on a call for service or a self-initiated activity, and the officer makes the determination along with the individual. It, it's, it's, a, it's sort of a partnership. They make the, the determination together whether they're ready to engage in treatment, deflect the charges, and off to treatment they go. Has the program been successful? When I started this program, the whole point was to reduce fatal overdoses. Uh, if you look at it from that standpoint, we, we are still uh, increasing the number of fatal overdoses every year in Pima County. 
what I can say is successful is that we have over 900 people who were deflected away from criminal justice and all of the collateral um, components that come with having a felony arrest and into treatment where uh, at the very least they're engaged um, and and understand that this is something they can do even if they fail the first time and that's one of that's one of the important components of this in the training is we know they're going to fail um, research shows us that they're going to they're going to relapse it's a chronic relapsing disease they're going to relapse maybe once twice three times maybe even four times so we have to build that tolerance into the officers that they might be deflecting the same person one two or even three times what percentage get deflected versus still end up in the criminal justice system because they are not eligible by the officer's determination for deflection? At our last evaluation uh, report, uh, it appeared that roughly 50% of the individuals who were eligible for deflection chose not to be deflected. They either said they didn't have a problem or they weren't ready for treatment. They knew themselves they weren't ready to get sick. Um, uh, and that was surprising to me that 50, this is basically a get out of jail free card. And by the way, you get to go to treatment. Um, and, and they're saying, no, I, I don't have a problem or I'm not ready to do that yet. What we have found is a significant number of people um, have come back to the clinic holding the, the officer's card in hand two, three, and sometimes four days later and saying, the officer gave me this, said, even though he took me to jail, I'm still eligible to come in and get treatment. And we are tracking those, and those numbers are increasing. So even though they didn't take it initially, they're going back two, three, and four days later to engage in services. This is, as you mentioned, a change in the way of thinking when it comes to law enforcement. What was the reaction from rank-and-file officers when this was first proposed, and has it changed as the program has gone on? Law enforcement can be very traditional in thought. And the officers were at first resistant, uh, extraordinarily resistant. Um, that was to be expected. And it took a lot of uh, support and a lot of um, people at my level, at, at the chief and the assistant chief level, letting them know that this is the direction that law enforcement is going across the country. This is what progressive criminal justice reform looks like, and we're gonna be a part of it. It took just a couple of folks to uh, engage in um, this program and then come back with some success stories. And as soon as those success stories started started coming out, and we highlighted them as much as we possibly could, we kept very, very careful notes on, on who was being deflected and, and, and following up with them. And as those stories went out, I mean, officers come into this business to make a difference in people's lives and to save lives. The sanctity of life is a part of what an officer uh, believes in and takes an oath to uphold. So they realize that this isn't getting people out of jail. This is actually fixing a disease and that this really isn't a criminal justice problem. It's a public health problem. And, and we can be a part of that, that solution. Whereas if we're just taking them to jail, we're actually adding to the harm that we're doing to the community because quite frankly, the risk of somebody overdosing rises uh, uh, exponentially if they're in jail for a period of time and then get out. Thanks so much for sitting down with us. You bet. That was TPD Assistant Chief Kevin Hall. This week we're talking about law enforcement and opioid treatment in southern Arizona. It's part of Arizona Addicted, AZPM's months-long look at the opioid crisis. A little more than a year ago, Cochise County began a diversion program where people can walk up to a law enforcement officer and say they need treatment. 
The officers will take the person to treatment for free, no questions asked. Bisbee Mayor David Smith spearheaded the program, which has grown to include 60 partners across the community. Well, we have law enforcement. We have uh, uh, treatment in the form of hospitals, clinics, and then we have rehabilitation. We have detox. Um, and then we're getting um, more involved in what are we doing after the fact? How can we get these people back into society, uh, i.e., uh, uh, job identification and things like that. And that's really our next, my uh, my next real thrust is getting people back into the communities. Uh, let's get them employment and, and so forth, as well as um, taking care of children. And we have a number of, uh, as, as we did then, uh, we still have um, uh, typically female, uh, single mother addicts, that want to become clean but simply will uh, not allow that to happen because their child will then be put into the system. And we have to still resolve how we're going to take care of that child without them becoming a a number in the system. Um, And uh, so we've been working on that, and we're actually uh, making some progress. What are some of the successes on that? Well, we're we're having some of these agencies step forward in, in the private area and saying um, that they're exploring funding possibilities, um, et cetera, to get that involved. Obviously, when we start dealing with the state agencies and so forth, and because of the bureaucracy, that is the system. And so we're actually looking at private organizations. Is it harder for a rural community like Cochise County and Bisbee to deal with this problem than an urban community like Tucson? I really don't know. Um, I, I, I can tell you that in our situation, and many times the uh, person needing assistance uh, has had, um, because of the size of our community, prior run-ins, if you will, with um, the, the police or other individuals. Um, and so we tend to be a little, probably a little tighter knit, if you, and, and um, that again is a double-edged sword because you don't have that anonymity that that Tucson and Phoenix and so forth uh, they don't know who you are when you walk in what's the community response been i think uh, overall it's very positive we always have that segment that talks about how we're enabling you know that uh, we're we're providing their mo- molly coddling is a word that comes to mind you know um but uh, o- overall, we have really, I think, good community support in both communities. And um, having, I, I can't stress enough the fact of law enforcement being behind us and the county attorney's office being behind us and the county attorney, uh, Brian McIntyre, being behind us is, is incredibly powerful. Um, and... Uh, We've had uh, training programs with the judges and with the court system uh, this last year and with probation officers and so forth. And so we're trying to put the whole package together where everybody understands where all the niches are. What have you learned over this year? I'm sure that the learning curve was very steep. Public information is a big thing. People really, I mean, we're inundated with seen press 
releases on the opioid problem and and the doctors and on and on and on and on. But we're not really seeing the people. And it's not just, as you and I have talked about, it's certainly not just the down-and-out addict that we see in the park. You know, it's the doctor or the lawyer or the whoever, the businessman um, also. Um, and that's who we need to start reaching more is, is, is getting past that stigma and getting to them. Um, as well as the, the, the public needs to be informed as to and to, to, to understand. You start asking me a question like when we were here a year ago and we, we, we talked and what was the public perception, I received a great amount of discontented people because I pointed out that Bisbee had a problem and that as mayor that was something that I absolutely should not have done and you know my my retort to that was that uh, if more mayors or city leaders acknowledge their problem and to take care of it then we wouldn't have the problem as big as it is when we're talking about government programs, there's always the elephant in the room, money. Yeah. How is this program getting paid for, and, and how's the money holding out? There's been so much uh, uh, you know, money that has, has been put out by the state through the governor's office and so forth for these programs. We have none. We have no funding whatsoever. When uh, somebody hosts a meeting, they host lunch on their agency. All the transports come out of it, the individual department budgets or the city's budgets. Um, that's what uh, it, it's kind of an interesting aspect because we have zero funding. So a year in, obviously success, perfect success is you don't need the program anymore. Right. But there's reality. So what makes this program successful and when will it be successful by that measure whatever it is sure well what makes this successful is the fact that we've had in one year we've had you know, uh, 21 people that we've transported um, in, in our program that we can honestly say um, uh, not being dramatic but probably would not be alive right now uh, so that's 21 saved lives and what would make it successful, of course, is when the whole problem goes away and we're not needed. And we can say, you know what, guys, what's was a fun thing. And so uh, everybody go on your own way and, and, and so forth. But realistically, um, uh, the success of the program is an unfortunate circumstance. It's measured by how many people, how many deliveries you make. Can the program expand if... You get, you've done 21 this year. Can you do 40 next year or, or more? Absolutely. We, don't, we hope we don't have to, but we are ready to do that, and we have the resources to do that. Um, and the more, the more we transport, then the better ability we have to show the need for it and for other agencies to step in with more funding, uh, more of their own funding and so forth to get it done. Thanks so much for sitting down with us. You bet. It's my pleasure. That was Bisbee Mayor David Smith. Albert Achavi is the police chief in Bisbee. 
His small department has transported 11 of the 21 people taken to treatment as part of Cochise County's program. Chief Achavi says at first the program was a tough sell in his small department. I, mean, I didn't like the idea. Um, it didn't make any sense to me at all. This school's completely against uh, a 20-21-year career, uh, you know, what we did 20 years ago. It's just not the way it works. But when you really look at it and really think about it, um, the time it takes me to transport somebody to get the help that they need, uh, one, saves their lives in, in a lot of ways. Uh, but the quicker we can get that person help, uh, the quicker we don't have to deal with them on a regular basis anymore also. And that's that's the thing is some of these people are taking up a lot of our time dealing with them through the judicial system. So we arrest them and we put them in jail. They go through a hard detox and they get out and they reoffend and it's a, it's, it's a revolving door that just keeps going and going and going. We're now able to do something that helps uh, or has the potential to help break that cycle, uh, get them the help they need. And, and if we can get them the help and they can get into recovery, well, then we don't have to deal with them anymore. So it's, it's, it's actually better for us that way. And, and, and majority of my guys see it that same way as well now. Working through addiction takes time. This yes. program has been going about a year. Are you seeing successes where someone who came to one of your officers a year ago who was at rock bottom you now see them on the street, a productive citizen of Bisbee? I can't say that for sure. I, I can say that uh, in some cases, uh, there I'm, I'm certain there's people walking around alive today that wouldn't be had it not been for this program. Um, and then there's still some places, some, some people are on the tragic side of that that we transport and, uh, you know, they're good for a, a, a week or two. And uh, they relapse, and and it's not a good situation. You know, we I, I transported one myself. Uh, later, found out a month month and a half later that that person had actually uh, died from overdose. You know, weeks after I'd taken him. So you know, it, it we do what we can uh, as best we can, and I mean that's all we can do. Does somebody get multiple bites at the apple? They, they come to an officer and say, I need help. You transport them. They go through the program. But as we said, treating addiction, is it's a long process. And they end up there again. And they come back to maybe the same officer. They've got a relationship. And they say, I need help again. Will you transport them again? Most definitely, yes. Because that's we, we, we just have to understand that uh, those relapses are going to happen. It's going to happen. There's no magic thing out there that's going to make somebody, uh, you know, go into uh, uh, um, be in, in, in rehab and, and they're going to be, you know, no longer addicted. There's, there's going to be those cases where people are they're going to they're use again. Uh, uh, it's, it's a hard addiction to, to beat. It gets a hold of people and doesn't let go. Um, it's going to happen. It might take multiple times might say three or four trips you know the hope is every time we go the hope is that this one's going to be the one but if it's not and they need help again we'll be there again we're very fortunate here because all i have to do is pick somebody up take them and i can drop them off i don't have to call i don't have to find if there's a bed available they will provide that service to us because uh, we have this partnership um my my co-workers back east uh they they don't have that luxury they they somebody comes in and says they need help now they need to go through the directory and they need to find a place that's willing to take that person. 
The hardest part is getting them there. We're a very small department. We've had some heartaches where we couldn't make that. Uh, our, our community uh, adjacent to us, Douglas Police Department, the chief down there, um, we work very well together agency-wise. And uh, he says, uh, you know, if you guys need help, I'll send one of my guys to transport for you. I mean, it's that kind of partnership. And that all came out of this us coming together uh, with with all these agencies. You know, nobody else meets like like we do. Well, thanks for sitting down with us. Yes, thanks for coming. Appreciate it. That was Bisbee Police Chief Albert Achavi. The newest member of the Cochise County program is Monica Ibarra. She spends her days talking with people, trying to convince them to get help for drug addictions. Ibarra has a special credibility with those she tries to help. If you would have told me three years ago that I'd be working at the police department, I would have laughed in your face because it just was unrealistic. You know, I was your typical, you know, statistic. You know, I was the one that got in trouble, you know, with my background, my record, um, you know, and then just just using I avoided law enforcement, you know, um, but uh, I would have never thought. But I've kind of always done that on my own anyway, um, where I've talked to people on my own before this, um, where people reached out to me just to talk to me because they knew that I was in recovery. And, you know, how did you do it? Can you can you talk me through it? What are the steps that I need to take and so forth? You know, and on my own prior to this job, um, I've helped people get into different facilities in Tucson. Painkillers prescribed for an injury led Monica to heroin. But those experiences helped her in her job, and so does patients because sometimes it takes weeks to convince someone to get treatment. It is kind of difficult because sometimes people just aren't ready. They just want to kind of know what their options are. Um, it's not so much, you know, it, it doesn't happen very, hasn't happened very often yet to where they're like, okay, you know, today I'm ready, you know. Um, I do have somebody that I've been talking to for the past couple of weeks and they're ready. Um, so I think we're going to be in the process of transporting that individual today. So it just really depends on the person. You know, everybody has their times when they're ready and not ready. The grant that pays Monica is only for a year. She says she hopes Bisbee will keep her on once the grant runs out in the fall. If not, she says she'll continue to work in southern Arizona helping people get treatment. And that's the buzz for this week. In the coming months, as part of our series, Arizona Addicted, AZPM will cover the opioid crisis on radio, TV, and our website. On January 23rd, AZPM will hold a community interactive on the opioid crisis. For more information and to register for free tickets, visit our website. You can find all of our opioid coverage and all of the Buzz episodes online at azpm.org. Subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. Ariana Brocious is the show's producer and editor. Vanessa Ontivero is our show assistant. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Duncan Moon is the interim news director. And our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.